All right. Welcome to Over Engineered, the podcast where we ask the very important question, what's the absolute best way to do stuff that doesn't really matter? So a while ago, I had an idea to do this show. Basically, there are things that we run across as developers that every time it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Just kind of we'll just do the thing that gets it done this time. And every time it feels like, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just do the thing that, that gets us there this time. But it keeps on bugging me. Like someday I want to come back to this. And so I decided, what the heck? We're going to get people together. We're going to argue about these these little tiny details until either we're really sick of arguing or we have come to some sort of useful conclusion. So there's a bunch of different topics. We're either going to do an episode, maybe two or three episodes with different people on the same topic uh, until we kind of come to some sort of consensus and then we'll move on. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something different. So the first, uh, well, actually, before I get into the topic, today I have my friends Skylar and Bogdan with me. We are all uh, Laravel PHP developers at Internachi. And we are going to talk about something that came up recently. But before we get into the details, do you guys want to say hi? Hi, I'm Skylar. Hey, guys, I'm Bogdan. Um, I'm here with the Internet team. I currently live in South Carolina. Let's do it. Nice. Oh, man, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here is the setup. This is something that I feel like comes up over and over again and it's just like you've got a new feature right so let's let's use this we set out a nice little example in the, the docs so i might as well look at it right so you're setting up a new like roles and permissions feature right and so we've got a migration for the roles table we've got a migration for the permissions table and we know from the start that there are going to be a few specific roles, like there's going to be a guest, there's going to be an admin, maybe a staff, a couple other roles, right? And there's going to be like 15 different permissions. And so the question always comes up, like, what do you do? Do you throw the actual insertion of data in your migration? Do you set up a seeder and run that seeder after in production after you've done the migration? Do you set up an artisan command that's really just like a one-off command for inserting that specific data? Or is there some other approach? And so like I was looking back even, you know, over a year ago, this topic had come up and and I went on Twitter and I posted a little poll. Uh, oh, another option is just, hey, go into Tinker or go into your like, you know, SQL editor and just do the inserts directly. And there was a little bit of consensus, but it was kind of all over the place. And so before we kind of talk about the pros and cons, like gut reaction, which is it? Which which is the best option? Is that what I, I kind of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I will say like I've done the manual insert into the database and it's certainly not it. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of trade-offs for the speed. You know, I, I feel like there's uh, opportunities to use, uh, you know, like constants and, you know, just reference PHP strings, you know, or just strings in general that reference a database and have some sort of command that just takes some sort of class full of constants and uh, syncs them into various places, whether that's roles or permissions. So I, I feel like those are like a pretty good starting point. Um, uh, that I feel like most people reach for. What about yeah, you, Skylar? I, mean, I I want something as easy as as PHP artisan migrate, but it always feels kind of gross to put it put it in the migration, especially if you're, you know, like doing that migrate where you end up making a schema from your migration files, and then suddenly you've got this weird stuff in there that that blows up. But you know, bespoke commands every single time feel off too. Yeah, I mean that's that's 100% where I am is like I hate the idea of having to SSH into one of the app servers after a migration and run a command 
And then, yeah, have a command that's sitting around that really doesn't do anything. It was really just a one-off thing. But at the same time, I can acknowledge that every time I've done this where I've thrown the data in the migration, I've felt pretty dirty afterwards. <laughs> like I know that 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 doesn't it doesn't feel right either. Yeah. And and I also feel like one of the times, I don't know if it's the last time, but one of the times this came up, the other issue was now when you run those migrations in unit tests, all this data is in there. So if you've written tests that kind of assume, like if you're if you're doing migration-based testing where you're where you don't have some sort of you know, world that you seed ahead of time, but you're just factoring up the data that you need for each test. Now you've run into a circumstance where you've got a bunch of records in your database that you weren't necessarily expecting to be there in your tests and and they could get in the way if you make certain assumptions, which is definitely another downside of running them in the test, in the migration rather. Yeah, I mean, I've done them I've done things where you know you're you're writing writing tests and you are factoring up data, but then you still expect like your permissions table to have those permissions. Like even in my test, I don't I don't want to like factory up the admin role. I just want to like have it there. But there are other times where you've added a new column to a table and you need to ensure some some data is there and you don't want that in your test. So yeah, we we need some solution that's going to. Uh, work for for kind of all across the different environment levels that you have right well and i mean i guess we could take it a step back take a step back and say what about circumstances where you have to manipulate existing data right because i don't have much of a problem doing that in my in migrations right if i for example i don't know why i would do this but if i were switching from say a if i if i had a given name and a family name column, and I wanted to add a, just switch to a name column, or, may, or maybe a better example would be like, I have a given name and a family name column, and I want to add a display name column, right? I don't have much of a problem in my migration saying, you know, update users set full name equals concat given family name, you know, like, that feels okay to me. Does that, am I, are you, are you guys on board with that at least? Or does that feel dirty in migrations too? I think like it's not, it's not the worst, but it still, it still doesn't feel, it feels like a little bit like you're just abusing the migrations. The fact that migrations right. run once and that is, it, it feels like we're abusing that feature of migrations. It's also it also really depends on how much data it, there is, right? Because if we're talking about a table with you know 100 million records in it, I'm going to approach that very differently than a table that has 5,000 records in it. Yeah, I will say, you know, I feel like the Laravel migration system is really for doing column changes and creating tables and adding indexes. It's not really designed uh, to be inserting data or manipulating data, uh, in my mind at least, um, there's probably uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a way for us, you know, to do these steps. But you know, I feel like if we take a step back and <clears throat> think about, well, why are we trying to automate this, right? Kind of, you know, why are we trying to add rules and permissions at the very beginning of the or at the you know, the, the time where we created the roles and permissions table, we need to seed some data. Uh, and I feel as if, you know, that is just an entirely different step. You know, there it's one thing to migrate data and there's another thing to actually seed that data. And even in the example, Chris, that you mentioned in regards to the given name and the family name to combine it into a name, it's not really a migration. It's kind of like a data manipulation mechanism you know chances are if you were ever to run that you know you probably would not be dropping a column immediately you would run that command in the background and uh you know uh have that data populate and then there's probably subsequent code that goes out or maybe it's behind a feature flag uh, that actually takes 
that new manipulated data into effect. Um, you know, and I feel like those commands are like very specific utility commands. You know, you don't just pipe them in. You know, it's it's just uh, over time your data model has changed through migrations, and over time to accommodate those changes, you need to um, change the data. But when you're migrating a fresh set of data for testing, um, none of that took place. You know what I mean? Uh, all you're doing is bringing the world up to the latest schema changes. And, you know, I feel like I have to agree with you guys, adding some sort of seeding mechanisms inside the migration system is just, uh, you know, a very dirty trick that I feel like we've been uh, used to uh, because that's just the way Forge deploys or Envoy or, you know, and all these other services. They just kind of run this by default. And I feel like we should step back and say like, well, perhaps our deployment steps should, you know, run some sort of commands, you know, in addition to the migrations, even if they're like, you know, manually configured. I mean, that's a good point. This this is... This is all in the context of a like CI/CD strategy, right? If you're not doing continuous delivery, if you're not doing some sort of automated deployments, this is less of a concern because if your whole deployment strategy is already pretty manual, doing one other manual task, you know, is not that big of a deal. On the flip side, you know, at least the way we run things, we do we can do 10, 15 deployments in a given day. And some of those will be, you know, just queued as soon as the tests pass, they auto merge and, and get deployed. And so like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I am spoiled <laughs> with, by having this really lovely, you know, GitHub Actions and, and Envoyer workflow that just makes everything happen automatically. And, and, I don't know. Now that I'm spoiled, I don't want to go go back from that. I want some other automated process that does this piece for me. Well, I think too, like I've come on to projects before where like the database, like someone just hands me a database file and they're like, here's the local database. Or, you know, you run a command to import a local database. I've also come to projects where you just run the migrate command in Laravel and then like maybe there's a seeder or you just have nothing and you just have to register for an account. And then they're like, oh yeah, the permissions table, go into Nova locally and just like add in, add in this Google spreadsheet of permissions. And, and I feel like those are also things that you'd want to solve for with this approach is like, how do you, yes, in your tests, like you're testing the latest version of things, but like the everyday getting things set up or you're spinning up a new staging environment, like how do you get the data where you need it to be? And, and that's, I think the other use case for some sort of like item potent data manipulation. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we definitely underutilize cedars in, you know, in our project, that's not something that we really heavily lean on. And I can see, I can see, you know, a database seeder or running different database seeders being part of the solution here. But, you know, they, they kind of come, they feel, I don't know, database seeders don't feel like they're meant to be used in production in Laravel at least. You know, and in fact, when you try to do DBC, you get a big warning if you are in prod. But you're right. A lot of the cases where you would want this in production, right? Like these are the 15, 15 permissions and five roles that are going to be in the app by default from the beginning. You're also going to often want them in, you know, your local dev environment or a staging environment or off, you know, depending on the feature, something like like permissions and roles that's so central to an app, you're probably going to want that in a lot of your tests. You know, whereas some other feature that is really just a, a ancillary feature, you probably don't want to seed that data for all your tests because you only need it for a handful of tests in in the whole suite. 
So it yeah. also depends on what type of data you have. But it seems like there's maybe, what, two different types of data that we're talking about. We're talking about data that we need to be in the system that you could run over and over again the command and it's going to make sure that data is there. But then there's there's the other portion, which is massaging existing data into a new format. And those, when you're massaging data into a different format, like probably don't want those to run in a test or you really wouldn't, like it wouldn't help us. Whereas running something to make sure that data is there in the database. I don't know if I'm, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, uh, you know, Skylar is 100% correct in this. It's, you know, I think the the case for roles and permission is quite clear because those are like very heavily dependent on like, you know, checks, like, is this user a guest uh, string or something, right? Uh, whereas, you know, there's like these other long commands or utility commands, uh, some may say, to actually manipulate the data. So I think like w- what we're talking about is this uh, initial use case of the roles and permissions. Like how do we kind of make these uh, small changes during the migration process or some sort of post-deploy process, which are, you know, may not be like as tricky as, you know, running some sort of long process um, that, you know, manipulates a lot of data. Would you I agree mean, with that? Yeah, it it almost makes me think that we almost want something that's like kind of like migrations in that, you know, arguably once you've run your migration, you don't need it the, that file to sit around, but it's definitely useful for it to be there. And certainly, you know, if you're going to set up another environment, you do want it to be there, but in the day day to day operation of the application, it's it's kind of just like a excess legacy file, right? And in the same way, it it almost feels like what we want is either one off commands that are perhaps tied to a specific migration, or are in an entirely separate like are represented in the database in a separately an entirely separate table where you can run some second command that says hey these are the these are the data data migrations or whatever that you haven't run yet would you like to run them you know yeah, uh, I totally agree. I feel like uh, I, I kind of understand what you're getting onto. I I do worry. So let's maybe let's step back and think about this, right? So what you're kind of suggesting, perhaps uh, in my mind, is um, you know we create some sort of you know data migration status table of some sort, and we create files or classes that represent what needs to happen, and you know during deploy. Uh, we kind of say like, hey, you know, we run the migration workflow, you know, as per usual, but then there's another command that is run right after that, right? And we would just take, you know, the files that we've defined and see, you know, effectively run a database seeder in production uh, and then just record that that thing happened. The only thing I would worry is that is that true, Chris? Is that kind of what you're? Yeah, something towards? like that. I mean, okay. I can't help but think, you know, there are a lot of other commands that are sort of like one-off that it might not be terrible. Like if it, you know, this this podcast is called Over Engineered, so I'm going to let myself go down this path <laughs> of. You know how many how many times have we written artisan commands that are really just there for a single use, and is there some, you know, kind of migration type approach where it's like you're not actually introducing a whole new command, but instead you're just introducing another thing that can be run by some sort of generic one-off command runner. And you could kind of do that. Then you could do that for both cases, right? It's like, these are all things that need to be run once and only once, right? 
unless you know what you're doing, but by default, they're, they're only run once. And so you just drop some, you know, PHP file that's got sort of a, a date time component in the, in the uh, file name, just like migrations do. And there's a, you know, there's like a database record called one-off commands or whatever, you know, and it just scans that directory for files. It compares it against the one-off commands database. And just like the migrator, it just loops through them and runs the commands one by one. And that way, you know, in the, the deployment story, we would just run that after migrations had been run. And I think you could even do something where you have like either a either a tr- use a trait or just a public public property where you're like r- like run and test or is testable. So then, you know, similar to refresh database, you can have like refresh data that's going to run, but you might have a one off thing that you don't want to have run in your tests, or you have some other thing like your permissions where you want that to run uh in your test suite what but like maybe by default none of them run unless you you know use in tests trait or something so one of the other options or on the same topic right like i just looked uh in the background how Envoyer deploys data right the you know the files everything and you know we run things like you know obviously pprs and migrate uh queue uh restart and you know this could be effectively a second command, uh, if I'm understanding you, Chris. You know that we just pipe at the end of the deployment process after the release is activated, effectively, right? We just basically yep. say deploy this and then run this command. And in the case of the test uh, world, you know you may not, you know, you could choose whether or not you want to run that command. Similar to similarly to how we do like um, you know um, uh, database refreshes, you may choose to additionally run this data seeding command uh, in your test, and I think that's a pretty decent solution, um, you know, to start with. Yeah. So I actually <laughs> I was looking through this Twitter thread from from last April or whatever, and I saw someone responded with this. Uh, this package called Laravel Actions, which is a little confusing because there's the 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 big Laravel Actions package that is, you know, for for you know single actions that you can you can execute from different contexts. But this is this is essentially what we're talking about. So it's Dragon Code Actions or Dragon Code Laravel Actions, and it looks like essentially, essentially they're doing kind of what I described, right? You have these actions that are very similar to migrations, except that they are meant to to do something like. If you look at if you look at where where you know actions so this is how they describe it actions are like version control for your actions process allowing your team to modify and share the application's actionable schema if you've ever had to tell a teammate to manually perform any action on a production server you've come across an issue that actions resolves so that i mean that does sound like maybe someone has has come up with a a pretty good approach to this i don't I hate, I hate that it's called actions just because if you are using what is the other one's called Laravel actions, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at that package and, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, it kind of sounds like what we were talking about. There's effectively a, uh, a database um, table that represents all of the actions uh, that have ran. And it even seems like you can roll back uh, actions. Yeah. Uh, although I am curious, uh, when is it intended to be ran? Um, I, I haven't figured that out just yet. But well, looks- I would imagine it's the same thing, right? We could, we can. You would just put it in your your deployment pipeline wherever it made sense if you wanted to. Yeah, and they have these like you can 
protected once false or true, whether, whether it runs every time you run all your actions or, you know, execution in a specific environment takes an array or string of like which environments to, uh, to run it in or excluding from the oh, interesting. Yeah, that's neat. So you can, to, you could have an which action is kind that's of, like dev only or something like that. Yeah. Which is a little bit like what I was, what I was mentioning of like, how do you run this in the, run this in testing, but not elsewhere. And this kind of resolves that. Yeah, this is, it's interesting. The logo's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This dragon. So, okay. So, I mean, it sounds like we've come to a quick solution, but you know, what are the drawbacks to, to this approach? Right. You know, I feel like, you know, is there, you know, how do we mitigate issues uh, in production if this runs? Uh, will this, you know, hold up deploys and so on and so forth? Right. I mean, the the biggest concern that I can think of is, you know, what happens in the case of an action that that's, you know, operating on some million number of millions of records, right? Like, if we were, I don't know, wanting to do some some really big manipulation, you know, maybe like segmenting the audit log into like yearly, yearly segments or something like that. Right. We wanted some, some command that could take all the audit records and, and generate like an audits 2022 and audits 2021. And, and, you know, some, I'm just trying to imagine something that's like, dealing with millions and millions and millions of records you know in that case yeah is that likely to that's that's going to hold up deployment for sure and i guess it kind of depends on there are some actions that you can kind of run whenever and it doesn't matter and there are other ones that you want to have run before the deployment finishes right i mean maybe there's some way to like mark an action as queuable it's just like it's a thing that has to happen once, but it doesn't have to this package doesn't do that, but it would be you know that's one solution is just like this action is queuable and it needs to run one time, but it doesn't it doesn't affect the use of the deploy right versus like well, you kind of need your permission stable set up before you can utilize right. Yeah, you could just, you could, I mean, you could just queue, you could just have your action be queuing a job, queue an anonymous job that's just a one-off thing or a batch of a bunch of anonymous jobs or something like that. So that's a good question. I mean, so basically you would still need to create some sort of file, right? Previously we talked about running, um, we would, you know, create some sort of command that you would either add it to your deployment pipeline as a thing to run after deploy, or you would have to like shell into your uh, server and run that command. So, you know, you would still need to create a place to house more complex logic, right? So that is a benefit, you know, with this uh, package solution here. Yeah, you would, you would basically you would still have, you would have a file for each action, right? Mm -hmm. And you would, you, you would just put in your, you know, in the Envoy or config or whatever, you would put like PHP artisan actions, whatever, you know, actions install or actions. Yeah. Sure. Actions run or whatever. I can't remember. Although there is also kind of, it's interesting. There's a, there's a concept of, before actions also so you could kind of split you could have something like in your deployment scripts you could say like run the before actions and then run migrations and then run all other actions that's kind of neat right i do see the example that they have is basically you know you would do mig migrate and then actions before and then you know you would do your additional steps, uh, and then restart your queue, and then run the subsequent actions at the very end. So it right. kind of talks, you know, it's effectively the same thing um, we talked it's about like your, earlier. Your before actions are like database. Your after right. actions 
might be code running running queued jobs or doing something that needs access to the whole code base. Right. With that fresh data, right? That was just migrated. Thing okay. that thing that I always wonder about in these things is like you don't want to end up with a situation where maybe the data exists in the database, but maybe it doesn't. And how do you is it up to the developer to just like write first or create <laughs> right on that permission or is there a way to like in these i don't know some sort of like exists method that you can write some query yourself that if it returns true it just like doesn't it just like bails out some sort of like validation that run that like more than i don't know more than just an if statement in the in the action handler, just like some sort of validate that this should still run. Well, this, this makes me think of, this is kind of getting into episode two where, because this is, this is a whole other class of question that is definitely related, but it's, it's, it's a whole other topic of, you know, I need this, this record to exist. My code expects this record to exist. I need to reference this record in some way and like how how do I make that happen? And I we could jump into it now. Maybe let's hold off for a minute minute more and see where we where we land, but cuz that is a whole other question. And I could I could see basically just saying like you reserve maybe maybe you reserve before actions for things that need to do data manipulations that are necessary for your application like for the next state of your application. And then you reserve other actions for any other sort of like, hey, this needs to run, but the app can run while it's while it's happening. But um I mean this this makes me think uh, so you know we were experimenting with with a smaller side project and and we were playing with some of the new hot technology and so uh, for a little while we were experimenting with like deploying to fly and using planet scale for the database and planet scale basically forces this same question on you which is or i don't know there's not a great story for automated 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 migrations with planet scale because they have their whole sort of version of of pull requests but for database deployments database migrations and it's it's a little bit different but essentially you know their their point is there are some migrations that you need to do before the application changes and there are some migrations that you need to do after the application changes right in some cases, in, in the original case that I was giving, if I were switching from a, you know, a first name and last name column to just a name column, I would need to co migrate to an add a name column. I'd need to then copy my data from the first and last name columns to my name column. And then I'd later have to migrate to drop the first and last name columns. But before I did that, I'd have to, to deploy a new version of the application that uses the the new new attributes right so it's sort of like a multi-step process and depending on the data and schema manipulations that you're doing sometimes they need to happen before deploy and sometimes they need to happen after and while they are 100 percent right that that is technically true in my experience 99% of the time you can just run migrations during deploy. And as long as you know that that's happening and you've architected the code correctly, it just works and you never have to think about it. And for those few cases where it does really matter, well, then you just deploy the migration in one phase and then you deploy the, the code that relies on that migration in a second phase. But I don't know, in in the last several years, I can only think of maybe having to do that once or twice. It just, I don't find that it comes up a ton. 
And so it's it's kind of the same here. It's like, well, hypothetically, you're going to need to sort of orchestrate these actions and migrations and deploys and in this like really, really sophisticated balancing act. But in reality, I don't know, 90% of the time, you can just migrate and then run a command that that updates, you know, a few thousand records in a second and just live with the consequences of, oh, maybe someone happened to hit hit the app during that second. But realistically, the way we do deploys, that's not even usually going to be an issue. So I think the question is not whether or not it's performant or when we do it. It's like, I think, is the migration system the right platform for making this uh, change? Because, yeah, you're right. You know, we could just stuff everything. You know, we could just easily say like, hey, when this thing runs, you know, just execute this file, right? So I don't think it's really an issue with uh, just deploying. I think like, uh, you know, just getting data in there. We obviously found solutions, whether it's, you know, some other utility putting into uh, a migration file. I think it's just kind of like, well, how can we do it uh, efficiently? You know, because that's part of the challenge here uh, in my mind. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm convinced that doing it in migrations, especially since someone has already done all the work of writing a package that does close to what I want, <laughs> I'm I'm more easily convinced that doing it in the migrations is not necessary. You know, I I am always a little bit hesitant to add add a new package that that is sort of like a foundational decision right without really thinking about it because you know if we were to go with something like this i think you know we'd want to be going all in with it so i, I want to know that we're going to want to stick with it for the long haul and not just like you know have two or three actions that we run through it and then never use it again and now it's just another thing that slows down the deploy by a few seconds but that said, I mean, I think the model, whether it's through this pack package or something that you just kind of put together yourself, the model of having whatever they are, actions or one-off one -off commands or, or data migrations or, or whatever you wanted to call them, having them as their own thing that sort of follow the same general flow as migrations but are not migrations does, does feel good. Yeah. You know, I liked, I liked this package because they, they talk about just invocable methods, but, but later on they talk about having up and down methods. I don't know if how I feel about like migrating data, having a rollback strategy, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I will think, say Taylor, I think you just should migrate forward. I mean, I feel similarly about database migrations, but it's uh, I know like that's a, I don't know, maybe that's too spicy of a topic. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, you know, I feel like uh, I listened to a podcast with Taylor uh, and, you know, he revealed to me many years ago that the down method is optional, right? And part of the reason it's optional is because like, yeah, chances are when, you know, you're going to roll down, it's not as easy as just here, just roll back these changes. A lot of things probably happen. You, it's it's not as simple as just roll down, uh, you know, or roll back the migration in production. Uh, you have to kind of move forward almost. So this, I don't know if this is, is an appropriate topic for this podcast, but I, I was having this argument with Aaron Francis a, like a few months ago, and he is very staunch, never, never, never go back proponent. And I get, I get that, I don't know, I get that thought process, but the, the one time, and, and I think it's only one time, maybe, maybe it's been two times, but the, the one time that PHP artisan migrate down saved my butt is worth 
writing the down methods in every migration to me because every once in a while, right? The, the thing is when you are in the like worst case scenario, we just deployed code that is is like really fundamentally flawed in some way that no one no one anticipated. The only thing like you're in panic mode and you want to just like get things back to what worked as quickly as possible. And like I said, I, I can't remember what the scenario was, but I know that that there was one of these deploys maybe two two or three years ago where we just deployed a feature that had some fundamental problem with it. And, you know, it took the whole site down, everything was busted. And I was able to, you know, quickly roll back in Envoyer. So just deploy the previous, previous commit to the production branch and run PHP artisan down. And, you know, within a, a minute, everything was back to where it needed to be and to me being able to do that just uh, you know now it's just like a it's like a security blanket for me it's like i know that i have it and i i do i'll run uh you know artisan down sometimes in in testing certainly in local testing but I'll run it just to make sure it works, right? I'll 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 migrate up and down to make sure that in you know if there's a feature that I'm maybe a little bit anxious about, like let me just make sure that if I need to, I can get down. And and I don't know, I'm still a believer. Yeah, I mean, I think like all things, it has its place. I I don't know. I've been bitten. I've been bitten by it in that you know we we migrated a big table like millions of records adding a column and it, you know, in staging, it didn't have millions of records and the thing was fast. And so we thought like something happened, let's roll back. But the table was locked. It rolls back, which locked even longer. And, uh, you know, like, I, th I think it's all, you know, it's all situational, but you just end yeah. up getting in a situation where you're like, Oh, well shoot, rolling back didn't work. Like what, what else needs to happen and but you know it's i think there are times where it can be useful and there are times when it can be dangerous to roll back yeah no i can appreciate that yeah i will have to second uh skylar you know i've been in a similar situation uh where everything worked fine then the migration time down production and you know it's like well we just made a bunch of code changes things are running to different tables now because we've changed the migration and, you know, like adding an index timed out effectively. And it's kind of like, well, if we roll back, you know, you know, you're going to lose all of that data that has just been added by users uh, in these new columns. And, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough call to just roll back. And in my experience, I too write the down method in migrations, but it's mostly just so I can migrate down when I need to create a column change in the migrate up, you know, uh, strategy of, you know, migrating database when I'm doing local testing. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I reach for the down method. I don't think I've ever really ran it in production. I think it's super dangerous. I suppose that's where planet scale migration strategy comes into place where they run both sets at the same time and write data to both places. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's incredible, right? Yeah. Okay. So this, this is, this is maybe a, a silly thing for me to be annoyed with, but I, I'm, I am a little annoyed the other or not annoyed, but like, it's a consideration. The, the other thing that makes me, question this specific package is like i have always thought that the uh the the, the morris leva let uh, in whatever his, i don't know how to say his last name the but the the laravel actions package that is you know for 
actions that are just a single unit of of action that then can be you know called from controllers or called from commands or called inside of jobs you know like the example of user registration is an action and you can execute it from your registration controller but also if you want to manually register a, a user you can call the same action from a command and that whole that that concept and that package has always really appealed to me and I've always been curious about um, introducing it into the project that I'm working on and so there's a part of me that's just like god I hate the idea of having two different things called actions <laughs> sure well I think dragon code actions it is maybe a stepping stone for what you're looking for, what we're looking for. But, you know, a name change is easy enough. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I can live with that. Yeah, I will say uh, I've looked into this Laravel Actions package before. I mean, yes, it is compelling, and I feel like it is uh, interesting. And, you know, I feel like both of them have their own use cases, and... You know, I understand the name conflict. Obviously, we can rename it. But at the same time, you know, you could theoretically use, could you use this as a uh, uh, migration strategy, like seeding data as actions? Is that a thing or no? Which which action are the we Laravel talking about? TheLaravelActions.com one. Well, yeah. Could it could. work in the same way? Because it does seem like it, does a handful of things it it doesn't but it doesn't have that piece where it tracks which actions have been executed in the current environment and so you'd have to re-implement that but i suppose you could sure. right if you just I added see. that if you essentially used the laravel actions package the laravel actions.com package as the foundation for these action objects and then you essentially just like you know this this has a whole like as object as controller as job so maybe you would just have a special mm -hmm. interface that's like as tracked action or something like that sure. you know and if a, an action implements that interface then it would be um, somehow pulled in as part of this command. I don't know. Sure. I, I do wonder, you know, if we step back a little bit, like why doesn't Laravel have something out of the box, right? And are we like over-engineering something that should be already here? And, you know, are we just underutilizing Cedars? You know, why isn't there something in the framework itself? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, like you could use Cedars, you can use database migrations. I think the thing that most people use anecdotally would be writing commands that, that change the data when you need to. And I've seen, I, I've seen like, yeah, you write your migration and then you have your, you write your command and then you call the command from your <laughs> from your migration file so that it only runs once, but during the deploy, but then it's like <laughs> yeah. still there to run other The worst times, of both worlds. Which feels, it feels gross, but it's like, well, how do I, how do I get around like the 18 steps to deploy at a large company, but still get this thing to run uh, without access to like the server? <laughs> Well, in the, the gigantic sample size of 37 people uh, a year ago, uh, a little more than half said they, they just make the changes in the migration. 30% said they were on a custom command, and the other 20% said they, uh, they just update directly through Tinker or through a SQL of some sort. Yeah, I definitely feel like we need a solution. Those options <laughs> all sound bad. And that's what we do. I feel like there has to be uh, almost like part of the reasons why I feel like Laravel appeals to me and even like 
things like rails and stuff like that is the migration system is all these features like queue systems and everything like that. And this is one of those areas where there's almost like not a clear picture of how things need to be. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, homemade solutions uh, to this problem. And I feel like, uh, you know, narrowing down a good solution, even if it is this actions package, you know, just to make that kind of a, a thing that is available as part of the Laravel ecosystem, I think that would be an incredible step forward for the framework itself. Well, I I mean, I agree. And I, I, I happen to know that somebody who is a who is a Laravel core contributor might be working on something here and I'm hoping that we can uh we can convince him to to hop on for maybe the second episode cuz he uh he teased something that I I he he said there may be a lower level solution to this problem that no one has suggested yet and I've been thinking about that and I've no freaking idea what that means but um but but until until we get a glimpse of what that might might look like i i think that this dragon code action seems like a really great option i think i'm i'm tentatively willing to say that that's that's my uh that's my vote for how how we might go about accomplishing this moving forward yeah you know and my my hypothesis as to why it's not in the framework already is that like people don't stick around projects long enough to run into the problem of having to migrate large amounts of data. Like either, either your side project, like it's big, but maybe it's not so big that this is hard to do or like at big companies that are running Laravel, like developers leave every few years. And so different people implement this in different ways. And like, just nobody, nobody has the time, like no product manager at a big company is going to be like, yeah, go contribute this back to the framework and, uh, figure out like a good way to do it. They're just like, no, write, write the sequel directly or like whatever, you know, to, to make things happen. Yeah. It's also, there's a balance. Like it's always a balancing act of like how much is appropriate to be in the framework and, and how much is appropriate to be in, you know, third party packages. Cause you know, there's, there's always that, uh, temptation to just add everything, add everything to Laravel. And I get needing to push pretty hard against that from the maintainer perspective. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that kind of, ever since we started thinking about this topic, it's something that's been looming in the back of my head. Like, well, why isn't there, you know, it, it seems like a pretty, you know, approachable solution, especially with this Laravel actions thing. You know, I feel like we're, I don't know, I suppose when we have the special guest on, given that he agrees, maybe we'll get a glimpse of uh, the future uh, ahead of us. So I'm excited. It could be, I mean, it is kind of an interesting thought experiment to say, what if, what if migrations had some sort of grouping mechanism and so you could filter down migrations by group and then i could in my migration class i could have some sort of public static public static property or or public static method that could be called that's like the migration group right and then in your application you could run like PHP artisan migrate dash dash group equals schema, right? Or default or whatever. And then later you could do PHP artisan migrate dash dash group equals data or whatever, or group equals post deploy and group equals pre deploy. Or, you know, like if you just had some mechanism for, for, sort of defining migration groups and and like by default the group is is default and it, from the command the group is default implicitly unless you set it and that way if you define a migration that's in some other group it just only gets run if you call the migrator for that group 
that could actually solve this problem for the most part using all the same tools that we have in place right now. Yeah, almost like almost like PHP unit test annotations, like the group grouping right. your right, tests right. so you group yeah. your migration. That or I wonder if there's like some updates to the Cedar component itself to like maybe Cedars can keep track of if they've been run before or they can keep track of so you can seed you can seed or you can like seed once. That is right. an interesting cool. that's an interesting, you know, idea. Like what if so called special guest is kind of implementing this Laravel actions or has an idea of doing this Laravel actions as part of the seeders. You know, because I think like one of the big downsides of Laravel actions is there's now another uh, set of files in, you know, perhaps the database folder, you know, uh, alongside with migrations and seeders. And now you have these actions to keep track of. And I feel like that is just like another thing to look out for. And like, well, when did this run? And when did that run? You know what I mean? It's, it's a bit difficult to, uh, and I'm not sure if I could answer that question because I haven't used that app, but you know, how, when do you know when something was run, right? You know, during which deploy, like, is it connected to a migration or is it just another, you have to like match up timestamps to see, you know, during which kind of workflow this happened, given that you were creating a table and, you know, adding some records, you know, uh, that's personally my kind of like uh, challenge with, I suppose, this actions app package. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a whole new thing to keep track of. Right. Perhaps like uh, a good way to, you know, to solve this is to use database seeders or inside the migrations, there's like a before hook and maybe like an after hook. Uh, and, you know, during like the PHPRs and migrate step, you know, maybe there's like a before thing that you can then call your little command to do whatever data manipulation. And maybe there's an after command method on there that you can just define whatever needs to happen after that thing has successfully ran. Um, so maybe that's also an option. Yeah. Or even like, I was just thinking like, what if, you could just have any public function on your migrator and like artisan migrate is just implicitly calling artisan migrate up and you, you swap out artisan migrate down with something that is artisan migrate space down. Like you're giving it the first argument of down and it's just running all the down commands. That's an interesting idea. Right. And you could do artisan migrate foo and it just runs through all the migrations and looks for the Name function foo. called foo and runs yeah. them. You know, it, I, I understand that. that there are some problems with that, but it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't, I don't love that, but I think it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we we've come to the uh, to the other side of this hill, and now we're walking down the path to worse solutions. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, it wouldn't be over engineered if you didn't have to, like you know, start over a couple times. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I feel like we we literally just hit one hour, and it kind of feels like this is a good place to start wrapping things up. I am. I wanted. I want to spend a little time just like thinking about it. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm only ninety percent convinced. And I. I want to see if anybody else who who we've kind of talked to about maybe coming on for an episode, if they listen to this and say, "Well, you didn't even talk about," you know, I'd, I'd be curious if there's some other strategy that none of us have thought of. And that's kind of the concept, right? Like. I'm thinking of this as a serial podcast of mini of mini series, right? So each topic is sort of going to be its own season. 
and we're hopefully going to have a couple episodes on each topic. You know, that's going to be determined by how interesting that is. I don't, I obviously don't want to have the same conversation over and over with different people. So it's not 100% over, but I, I feel pretty good about where, where we landed. How about you two? Yeah, I like it. I, uh, this feels like what I was, what I was hoping we'd come to this, this agreement. So. Yeah, I think uh, this uh, format, I feel like uh, the challenge that we have, you know, on our daily, you know, work schedule is, you know, we don't allocate that much time, like giving too much deep thought, maybe individually, but I, I feel like coming together and thinking about these ideas and uh, looking at some pros and cons is, is a great solution. And I really hope that the topics that we, you know, the 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 packages that we looked at, the ideas that we had are challenged by other people because, you know, I know that we, we only scratch the surface on this. Uh, I can imagine 50 other mechanisms of doing the same thing. <laughs> so awesome. Well, so I have a small list of things already. I know for sure, maybe it's not going to be episode or season two or however we, we structure it, but I know for sure the idea of how do you reference data from code that needs to be in the database? Like I, I definitely want to approach that because I have, I think I have landed on, on something that I like, but I bump into this, another, another friend of mine that I, I like hop on pairing sessions with, like it has come up multiple times on the app that he's working on like and and we just we deal with it all the time so i I definitely want to get there i also feel like um thinking about custom relationships custom eloquent relations is something that i am really interested in i don't know yeah i just want to way overthinking is there anything else i just want to like uh i suppose think about what you just said about the referencing data um, from code in the roles and permissions world, right? After we've done all this seeding somehow, uh, we want to be able to reference like what is an admin and how can we resolve that to an actual model? That's what you're referring to, right? As a role. Well, yeah. I mean, if if your roles and permissions setup is truly like truly 100% configurable, then maybe not, right? Because you, if you need, mm-hmm. okay. you know, if you need to be able to set, set up any role and any permission. So roles and permissions maybe isn't a great example, but like an example that, that uh, just to kind of be thinking about is like, imagine that you are, that I was looking at a, a, a video on Laracast about building like a product stock tracker, right? Like, if you wanted to build something that lets you keep track of like who has PlayStation fives in stock across these like 10 vendors. Right. And, and, and this is this like, this was a real series on Laracast where Jeffrey way was kind of walking through how you would do that. And one of the pieces there is, well, I want say Best Buy and Amazon and uh, you know, some other and, and GameStop or whatever as vendors in the database somewhere. But I'm also going to need to specifically reference Best Buy in my code because I need like some special Best Buy crawler or something that's specific to that vendor. So it's like, I know that there is a vendor record in a vendor's table somewhere that represents Best Buy. And I need to load that up so that I can create new records that are associated with that database model. And so like, am I just going to hard code? Like this is the ID in the database for Best Buy, or am I going to just look up the vendor whose name is Best Buy and hope that that, that vendor's name or, you know, the way I, I, I wrote the name never changes. I, I never need to go back in and add like a registered trademark to it or, you know. Right. Okay. Something like that. That I yeah. think that's a better example. Yeah. No, that 
that definitely is a challenge i think for many people awesome yeah are there any other are there any other things that we've talked about that kind of fall in that category that we can just kind of leave as as stuff stuff for us to think about or for anyone to kind of um ponder as they're uh, an hour and 6 minutes into this podcast if anyone ever gets an hour and 6 minutes into this podcast I don't know I mean I'm just I'm curious what other people uh what other people think or feel or like what things they wish they could over engineer yeah 100% everyone has had this experience of like god I de- I have to do this all the time and I wish there was a better way but I've never had an excuse to actually figure out the best way. All right. Well, with that, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to click this, this button and we're going to stop. Sound good. Sounds great. Sounds good. See you guys next time. All right. Thank you guys.